I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Science in Africa, a Nature Careers podcast series. I'm Akin Jimo, Chief Editor of Nature Africa. I work and live in Lagos, and I'm passionate about promoting science and public health journalism in my native Nigeria and across Africa. In this series, we are going to explore the practice of science in this wonderful continent, the progress, the issues, the needs, and in the words of African scientists, you are based here. In this series, we are going to explore the practice of science in this wonderful continent, the progress, the issues, the needs, and in the words of African scientists who are based here. In this fifth episode, we meet two researchers who have taken upon themselves to do their bits to address the gender gap in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics careers in Africa. They both inspire young girls to get interested in science, but in very different ways. My name is Stanley Anubog. I am 22 years old from Nigeria. I'm a creative technologist and a storyteller, currently the founder of Artecops Nigeria, a STEM education company that provides quality education in science, technology, engineering, and maths in Nigeria. So STEM for Her is a non-profit project that empowers young girls. So we're looking at young girls in primary to secondary schools within the age range of six to 18 years by providing them access to skills, mentorship to break the stereotypes within what women can do and cannot do in the same science, technology, engineering field. So STEM for Her provides young girls in suburban and urban communities with access to robotic skills, um, coding skills, and also storytelling skills in order to encourage and empower these young girls to become future innovators, problem solvers, and change makers using science and technology to solve problems around the world. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned that you, you, you kind of wear two hats. You say you are a storyteller and you are also into STEM, STEM for her, especially for girls. Uh, that aspect of storytelling, um, what do you do? What kind of story do you tell and how do you tell the story? So, um, majority of the stories that we tell or I tell at um, Articorps Nigeria is basically story for science or in, in general, storytelling for science engagement. So, majority of the stories that I do tell is documenting the projects of our students while they were working on their projects and how the project finally ended up and probably their success story. So, we edit it and document the stories and we share it with the next um 
cohorts of the program so this is to show them what people have done and to prove to them that they could actually become change makers themselves not because of their gender but because of who they are and their ability so it's more of a mindset shift for these young girls to encourage them and remove that um backward thinking that they shouldn't do or they shouldn't be in science and technology so um for example one of the projects that we did do um during the the storytelling process of what we are doing at in STEM for her. So the Rocket Girl is a very good example. So this is a story about uh, a 12 year old girl that is passionate about space and science in general. Hello everyone. My name is Ugochuan Blessing. I'm 14 years old. I'm a Nigerian. I'm currently a student in Masamabli Secondary. So she makes this rocket models using waste and recycled plastic pipes and also cardboard papers to make rockets that actually launch into the sky. And this is the beginning of my story. As a young girl... So this um, is a very impactful story. Then what we do is we document only the stories that we are sure that will spark um, life into other young girls. And we then use that story to empower and encourage other young girls as well. Can you remember the fundamentals for her to, you know, tilt towards rockets? I mean, what could have been her inspiration in terms of building rockets at that age? Yeah, I think in general, um, she grew up very, very um, exposed to a lot of cartoons. So she, she, according to her, she was very inspired to um, one day become an astronaut or travel to space or... Um, probably be part of a team that builds rockets that would take Africa to space. Um, so that was a very inspiring story for me, and her, her drive was just brilliant. Then we just helped her with the product, the design of how she could make those locally made rockets, and she just took the wheel from there. Um, she's a brilliant young girl, but I think she got inspired by a lot of um, cartoons. Yeah, to be honest, a lot of cartoons. I am very interested in science and technology. I enjoy exploring the unknown and going on trips that provide solutions to world-related challenges. I intend to go around the world and investigate new possibilities for how science may bring about positive change in rural communities. And to be honest, speaking from my own perspective, I think movies and cartoons are very key. Like I said, storytelling has a very amazing power that we underestimate. I got inspired to participate, to become in science and technology in 2018. That was when I watched Iron Man, when it came out newly. And that inspired me to be like Tony Stark one day. But um, along the way, I later discovered my own passion and my own purpose is to inspire other young people to be part of the science and technological space. Um, so I think movies in general, stories do inspire a lot of change, a lot of great people and a lot of significant um, problem solvers. Okay, okay. So you document experiences and so on and so forth. So why did you start it? Because you made this statement recently, and I quote, it's hard changing the girls' mindsets, especially for those from rural, you know, communities, you know, with limited access to, you know, um, equipment, facilities, and so on and so forth. Yet, 
you establish STEM for her, for girls in rural areas. Why? Um, the, the reason was at a point, at a certain point in my um, change-making career, I encountered a little girl that came up to me. We are preparing for a science fair. And she said, in quote, um, my mom said that I can't participate um, in this science fair competition because science fair is meant for boys. And I was like, no, it's probably meant for everyone. And I started looking into the statistics of women in science and also the number of students we were impacting in our program. Um, only 10% were girls in our program. And that made me to think, I think I'm also contributing to the problem that there are lesser women in science and technology. So we kind of shifted our focus um, to impacting more girls. And we discovered that girls in the rural area or rural communities were mostly affected by that um, societal mindset that women should only be doctors or probably I don't nurses but being part of science and technology being innovators inventors that are using science to solve global problems women are not in that space so we decided to change the narrative um, empower these girls provide them with mentorship and also give them that strength and motivation that they need mentally in order for them to persevere in the science field. So when you're looking um, in general statistics of regarding the science field in general, women just make up 30% and that's a huge gap, which means that there are so many problems that women are facing that are not being addressed because there are fewer women in that space. And alongside, when you're talking about a gendered perspective, uh, a man is solving a problem as um, a man from his own perspective and the world around him. A woman is also solving it based on the gender, how she sees the problem as a, a, a lady or a woman. So when we look in general, women are not given that space, which means that we have been solving our problems for decades or even centuries, a one-sided, we're just solving it one-sided, which means we are not having much more ideas on the table to solve those problems. So I think getting more women into science, probably yes, might, it's a probability, might create that shift that we need to solve more problems. And I often tell my female students, um, you, they, are, they are way smarter than my male students. I, it's, it's, it's way funny because, yeah, because they don't have that opportunity. So the little opportunity they get, they utilize it very well. And they, they really are, the success rate of their projects are higher than the, the boys. And that's because they know that this is my chance. This is my turn to shine. And I might not get this opportunity again. And they push for it. So um, I think that's my own discovery from my project, yes. Uh, my name is Doreen Onye Anene. I am a final year animal science PhD researcher at the School of Bios Biosciences at the University of Nottingham. And um, at my research, I'm investigating the variation in performance variables of individual hens and their association with the quality and the safety of the egg. Now, very Importantly, I am a dedicated representative for women in science from low-income communities and underrepresented groups, and I am the founder and program director of the STEM Bell. Yeah, STEM Bell. What is STEM Bell program about? What's, what does it mean? So um, the STEM Bell is, is a non-profit organization, 
and it was founded in 2017. And our over arcing goal is to recalibrate the female representation in STEM careers and eventually close the gender gap in STEM fields. So um, we are working towards this goal by first attracting girls from low-income communities to science subjects. Then secondly, we're retaining them in science classes in senior secondary schools. And then we're advancing them to STEM careers through tertiary education. So STEM, for anyone who doesn't know, is the acronym for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, while BEL is the French word for the beautiful girl. The, the beautiful girl, yeah. So putting this together, you have um, the STEM BEL, which means the beautiful girl in science. And yeah, and um, with this, you can see that we're, we're trying to pass the message across that women and girls can be everything. They can be elegant in stilettos and they can be confident in stilettos at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, you've done a lot, you know, in your area of work. And, um, but why do we need more girls in science? Why? Why not? Why do we not need more girls in science? Look, UNESCO has captured it perfectly. The world needs science and science needs women. I, I don't know if there's so much more to add to that, but the, th the truth is there is very um, serious gender inequality going on in the STEM sector, right? And this is even more pronounced at uh, decision-making levels, board levels. So uh, I, you might know the statistics, but globally there's only less than what, 30% of women who are in STEM fields. And in Africa, it's even less. The number of girls who choose engineering degrees are a lot less than males. Of course, males dominate the science and the tech sectors. A lot of work is being done to change that status quo, but there is still a lot more to be done. A, a whole lot more to be done. And the interesting thing with women and with girls is that they are so creative and they understand, you know, some of these challenges and that if, if giving a platform, they can provide very solid solution to global problems. Take, for example, the effects of climate change. So women in low-income communities really suffer the brunt of climate change. There's a lot of droughts and so many other things that, you know, it's as a result of climate change that is affecting their productivity, affecting their profitability. Now, if girls from similar communities that have seen their parents go through this hardship are supported to get to decision-making levels, do you not think that they would think critically to bring up solutions because they don't want people like their mothers to go through that pain, that suffering anymore. Yeah. You know, when you say beautiful girls, you know, in science, you yeah. know, uh, in, in, in Africa, I mean, there's a saying that the, the beautiful ones are not yet born, uh, but it's like beautiful scientists, you know, are born already. Oh, and yes. um, <laughs> what is the core problem? Why girls? Uh, why? What is the core issue for starting this program? So um, in Africa, typically, and I think in quite a number of other continents, you know, especially in low-income communities, there are gender 
biased stereotypes that have really eaten deep into the mindset of women and girls, especially from low-income communities. And these stereotypes are limiting them from achieving their full potentials as human beings. So when you engage with school girls or girls typically from these communities, you hear things like um, engineering is not a woman's course. You hear things like, um, I, I don't want to do engineering because it would be difficult for me to get married. Some people even go forward to say that pilots will find it difficult to have children. You know, all kinds of stereotypes, you know, limiting women from exploring careers in STEM, from maximizing their full potential. Um, all these things come from, they're, they're handed down really they're handed down from like generations that have gone ahead of the girls these are like beliefs that are being passed on to this generation so now we all of these girls are being limited now the world is changing the world needs science science needs women and the truth is in about in a few years, in 2030, by 2030, the projection is that women and girl, um, science, technology, and engineering will become a very relevant skill to secure jobs. It, we're seeing it already happening before our time. Tech is becoming the real thing. And girls and women are going to be heavily disadvantaged. And even worse, girls and women in low-income communities. So our agenda is to make sure that women and girls from low-income... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Economically disadvantaged communities are not left out in this global change that's about to hit us. Two very different approaches. I love Stanley's ingenious project, STEM for R, that attempts to break ceilings for young girls by showing what is possible. Using storytelling, such as the short film about Rocket Girl can inspire young girls to dream and then make their dreams reality. STEM Bell is a more systemic approach. Doreen wants to support girls through their whole journey in education. But how does she do this in practice? What were the deep thoughts that you had that, look, I need to give opportunity to others, you know, who may be at a certain stage. And having a girl child in itself, from conception, you know, it matters. You know, to look at how do I bring this child up? I grew up in northern Nigeria. I grew up in Zaria, in Kaduna State. Kaduna State. Now, when we were growing up, um, my mom studied um, education. She wasn't a scientist. And... You know, trying to get a job as a teacher with, you know, a non-science um, degree, she found it difficult. Okay. That, 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 those are the people that build scientists, teachers. <laughs> I know. have a key role to play. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. She found it difficult because there were so many competitors for that job, for, for those jobs she was applying for, right? And then she thought that she didn't want her children to 
go through this. And then she started indoctrinating the benefits of science at her experience to us. Now, growing up, we had, I had these stereotypes. Engineering is not for women, it's not for these. You're going to end up in a man's house. There's really no need for you to stress yourself going through all of this because, I mean, the end goal is supposed to be marriage, right? When I got into the university, I have a, a sister who is an engineer as well, another one who is a physicist. When we come home for holidays, we sit and you know compare what happens in our classrooms, and we realize that there is just four girls out of 100 boys in engineering school seven girls out of 70 boys in physics classes. In agriculture, the percentage was quite high, but there was still that divide. So these stereotypes, I believe, that have been, as soon as a girl becomes aware of um, what do you want to become, you know, for the first few years, they are being ambitious. But as they progress, then the reality starts to set in. People start to say things. Sometimes, even their mothers are saying things to discourage them from exploring STEM careers. So I think it starts early. It starts really early. And that's where you, the, the leaky pipeline starts from the home. It really starts from the home, from what the children or the girls are hearing from their parents, from their teachers, from their principals, from people around them. And that's why at the STEM Bell, we are starting our intervention really early. The youngest of our beneficiaries are around GSS1, so they're around nine years old. And we do that because we want to attract them to science courses, to science subjects. We want to let them know that Maths is hard is just a statement. If you put work into it, maths wouldn't be hard. You know, the, the, you've mentioned a number of uh, barriers, you know, uh, things that are systemic, cultural, and so on and so forth, uh, you know, that more or less affect, you know, having more girls in science. Can you give us perspective on how you've been able to address these systemic and cultural you know, barriers, you know, for example, how do you convince a parent that, look, this girl needs to be a scientist, this girl needs to be a mechanical engineer, you know, because people look at, uh, for example, to be a mechanic, mechanics that repair our cars are usually men. When you see a female mechanic, it's like, wow, wow. what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. So how have you been able to really address, you know, key issues that relate to cultural and systemic orientation that you more or less affect having more girls in science, in research, and so on and so forth. Good. So we um, have been working for five years, and one of our major strategies to address these issues is conversations, reorientation, re-education of all the stakeholders in this chain the parents, the students, the people from the Ministry of Education, principals, community leaders. We go into schools, and this is why we, we work with schools, public secondary schools directly. So we first start with the government. We go to the state's um, uh, office for education, table our course, table our objectives, explain to them. Sometimes from here, I have meetings with people at the State Ministry of Education, explaining to them why we need to do this project. They buy into the idea, and then we get the approval to go to schools. When we get to schools, we sit with principals. 
heads of departments for science subjects explaining why there is need for more girls to be in science. You could be a physics teacher, but not know that there is need for a girl to be in science. So we finished this. We've had uh, PTA meetings. Uh, would I call it PTA? You know, like that's, parents. That's Parent Teachers Association. Yes, it's really participatory. So, so like I was saying, the, you, we, you know, we engage the parents. We explain to them why there's need for girls. And we go through this process because these girls are typically under 18. They're still under the influence and direction of their parents. So we need to make sure that everyone ahead of that that, 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 that has authority over the girls are on the same page. And then when we go to start working with the girls, we can see change. We can see the impact already. They go to tell their parents and then they're con they, they, you know, it kind of consolidates. So we put in all the action. We have various strategies that we have rolled out at the stem bell to achieve this goal. And we always have our parents come, the, the parents come through with feedbacks, with comments, they attend all our events. You know, it's really participatory and really engaging and we make sure it's from bottom top. Yeah, you know, um those days when we were growing up, you know, a typical young boy, you know, is riding bicycle, uh, is uh, making, you know, a wheel that he rolls about in a compound, uh, climbing trees and so on and so forth. And uh, these elements at times, you know, spur you to do a number of other things. Uh, there are components in a way that, you know, the girl child from infancy or from being a toddler is not limited by the kind of toys she plays with. I mean, could that is that an area that you explore also indirectly? Well, if you study the leaky pipeline of women in STEM, it starts from infancy. The kind of toys they play with, the kind of coloring books they look at, you know, it goes all the way to secondary school, you know, the, the ages we work with, or, or it goes all the way to uh, primary school, the kind of extracurricular classes they go for. While the boys are going for coding and stuff, the girls are going for knitting and cooking, which is absolutely fantastic. So it's, it extends onto secondary school. So while the guys, the boys are going into something more technical and vocational, the girls sometimes are even forced to go into something more homely. This is in quote, right? And then it keeps growing. For us particularly, the focus of, of our work is from secondary school, you know, GSS1, until SS3. And the reason is in between GSS1 to SS3, we have GS3. GS3 is such a critical year in the life of anyone that's going to choose science. Like you know, you are forced to choose science, arts, commercial, and all that. Most times, when you pick a non-science specialization, it's like a journey of no return. We don't find you again, until, except if God decides to intervene. And for women, for women, for women, it's um, usually you know, more difficult because right after secondary school, it's marriage, you know, and all sorts of things. So our focus, I appreciate everyone that is putting in work at other sections of the pipeline, but our focus is that within the secondary school. And yes, I agree. Toys play an important role. From a young age, children become very creative. They become problem solvers. They become 
critical thinkers. They become nearly like scientists. So the more you expose them to toys, Montessori toys that will challenge their thinking, the more you allow them to fail and work it out, I think that maybe, maybe there might be an association with them ending up as you know, really critical and technical people. What do you see in the future? You know, what's the future plan for STEM for her? And even for the student also, what do they see, you know, in the future? You know, are they willing to carry this, you know, to the next level? Or are there examples of those who have moved on to something higher, you know, in, in from the program? Yeah. So some of the, the girls in our programs, when you ask them, because we always do this survey before and after the the project. So we ask them what you want to achieve and we ask them after the program what do you think you're going to be able to achieve at this moment in your career. Um, majority of the girls will always tell you that she sees herself becoming an inventor. So I think that's the general concept. They want to become inventors at this point. But I often tell them you could become a doctor but you could become a doctor that solves problems. So in general, I see a future where majority of these girls are going to be leading problem solvers, entrepreneurs, um, social entrepreneurs, or even inventors coming up with innovative solution. And that's the aim. That's the aim for STEM for her. We're not trying to just create inventors or chief engineers or scientists or researchers. We're trying to create a league of problem solvers and change makers in the African ecosystem. Um, the future I see for STEM for Her is we are going to be doing much more of storytelling, um, documenting the projects of these girls and sharing it out on social media to inspire other young girls across the world. Yeah. Okay. I, I know there are many Africans like you, you know, what would you advise, you know, in terms of, you know, starting this program in other African countries? you know, in a way that, you know, we can populate, you know, the continent, you know, with ideas and so on and so forth. Can you talk to Africa? Yeah. So my advice to every African change maker out there that is trying to change the world or trying to create um, projects that would break barriers and um, provide sustainable solutions for Africa, the best advice I would give you is, it's a very slow journey. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. I know this sounds cliche, but it's true. It's a very, very long marathon. But the advice I would give is every single one of us, I would use this um, kind of proverb my grandma used to say. She would say, everyone is um, a crying baby. Um, we are all crying for our voices to be heard. And only those that cry the most will get heard. So I think... You shouldn't give up crying because they didn't hear you today doesn't mean that they won't hear you tomorrow. So keep on crying. Don't stop until the world hears your name. Everyone is unique, but only those that show their uniqueness are rare. So I think my advice to every young African out there is be rare as possible. Cry out loud. Scream out loud. Let your voice be heard and create as much change as you can. Yeah. You encourage young girls. Young girls have parents, they have uncles, they have aunties, and so on and so forth. How can they be like you? How do we recognize some of this inherent passion, 
you know, inherent ideas and dreams, you know, of the girl child, you know, in a way that we don't stereotype, you know, our girl child into doing what we expect them to do. You know, how, how have you, do you have a perspective on that, that we can learn from? Definitely. So I tell my students, no matter what I teach you or no matter how I tell you about science, 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 if along the way you identify that you are not passionate about science, please do shift into your passion. I think that's a very core um, phantom that is in the African mindset is about you have to do this. You have to become a doctor. You have to become an engineer. I think it's about giving the the kids a liberty to explore the world to become who they are to become themselves so uh, we do tell our students hey no matter how we tell you about science no matter what we tell you about science be yourself identify who you are and stay strong with that and then you're going to create change in the world some of our students ended up dropping out becoming like focusing more into art and i'm like yeah sure if you're doing art make sure you do art that changes the world that's it we are like i said it's not only focusing on science 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 it's more of science for change making whatever you do just make sure that you leave a footprint that changes something in the world and we we kind of yeah yeah we kind of stick it in the back of their head you have to change the world one way or the other even if it's cooking cook for good cook for change if it's if it's Exactly. If you're traveling, travel for change. Whatever you're passionate about, if you want to make money, make money for change. Whatever you're passionate about, it has to at least make someone's life better. The gender gap is real. And the root of the problem is surely gender bias that exists in African society. And in many others for that matter. While society catches up, it will take programs like STEM for R and STEM Bell and many more to help address the imbalance. So, that's all for this episode of Science in Africa, a Nature Careers podcast. I'm Akinjimo, Chief Editor of Nature Africa. Thanks again for to thanks again to Stanley Anibogu and Doreen Anene. And thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.